This past fall, um, I picked up an Alexa Echo. You know what Alexa is, one of those little, you speak to it and it, it responds, right? It's, um, there's, there's lots of those kind of devices out there, but we picked one up. There was one on sale, so we picked one up. And I tied it to a few of our, our living room lights and to our outside lights. And, and uh, this, this, this just a couple of weeks, or a, probably almost two months ago now, and I found out that just a command, we can command the light, one light to go on in our house or the outside lights to go on or turn them off. And uh, I know I haven't hooked up all kinds of things. There's probably more things I could connect to it, but I haven't done that yet. But it, it, it's, it's amazing how just by simply talking um, to this, making a command, it can turn lights on or off. Some of you probably have been playing around with it for a long time and are very up to speed on it. But we just kind of picked one up here just recently, and so there's odd time that Vange and I have been talking about things, and all of a sudden Alexa will respond by something, I don't understand your command or whatever, and a little bit, not sure if that's good or bad, but it is, uh, it, it is what it is. However, the gift has been an amazing gift for us, especially in these days when Vange can command lights to come on and off or whatever, and that's really been helpful for us in that way. Like I said, Alexa is just one of those voice-activated devices. There's others, Google and, and Apple ha- all have those devices, plus a whole host of others. And it's great not to have to type something in or open up a phone or even walk across the room and turn a switch on or turn a switch off. Or especially when you're lying in bed, you forget to turn the outside lights off. It's great for those kinds of amazing things to be able to do that. Technology is amazing in that kind of way. But by that token, it allows us to feel like we are in control. That at just a word, we can command all kinds of things. It's great to command things. But along with command and control, sometimes there's a a dark side to it as well. Not to mention just how much Alexa and those other devices are listening. But along with that comes this sense that now we become seemingly more immortal than we actually are. Because at a very word, God brought the world into, creation, into existence. And at a very word, we can turn lights on or off. And so in some ways, it seems like we have more and more control over our life. And it's easy for us to slip into, some might say, the dark side, into feeling this sense of, of a deity mode, where we become, become somebody more than who we really are. Because then it becomes about our agenda, about our purposes, our ways of doing things, our goals, our plans. And sometimes, I hate to say it, they're not the best. Because it's about us. But God is supreme. And we need to remember to hear his voice rather than ours. Because our voice, we, we hear our voice all the time. We even talk to ourselves. I don't know about you, but I talk to myself sometimes. Especially when I'm working on something or a project or whatever, I start talking to myself because, I don't know, it helps me concentrate or whatever, but it just does that. And after all, we start hearing our voice quite, quite a bit. But the question is, we need to be hearing God's voice. After, one person said this to me, or I, I heard this, I think it was on a, a podcast or a video one time. The person that we should listen to the most is the one who does the most talking because they know the most. Let me rephrase it this way. I think this is the way they said it. One um, 
the one person who should do the most talking is the one who knows the most. So if you're having a conversation with somebody and the person you're standing with knows more than you, really you should let them exercise more, have more time talking than you should. Now when you're talking to God, who knows more? And yet do we spend time listening to the voice of God? Whose voice do you hear the most in your conversation with God. We talked about listening and hearing God's voice. Just we touched on it a little bit this fall. And um, we want to go deeper and in, more intentional over the coming next couple of weeks. And we want to tie it specifically into this, this event in history that was one of the most um, significant events ever. And that is the birth of Jesus. And how God spoke into that particular time period. And the things that he said, and how he said, and what he said, and what the responses of the individuals were. Today we're going to start by looking at the story of Mary and Joseph. And specifically their lives, and how God connected with them. Now let me say this first. Let's give a little bit of, of background on, on specifically Mary. Um, women in the day of, of, of Jesus, in that time... They got married between the ages of 12 and 15. I want, you just to, I want you to settle on that in the back of your mind. So Mary was probably between the ages of 12 and 15. Now we have some of our youth are in that age range. That's like junior high. Mary was probably a junior high when she was expected to get married. So ladies... Maybe you have a teenager, and that's great, but maybe I want you to think back to when you were 12 or 15 years old. Guys that got married were a little older. They were like 16 to 18 when they got married, but ladies were 12 to 15. And I want you to, to picture that in your mind as we read the story of how God interacted with Mary as a, as a young teenager. And so we're going to start by looking at Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read through, through these verses, and I want you to think about this as a teenager who's encountering God or hearing what's going on or what God wanted her to do. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit as we go through this. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. As a young girl, she, her character, her godly character, shone so much that she was recognized by this angel who came and spoke to her, and he commended her for her character at a young age. Now look, listen to Mary's response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Okay, she's wondering, okay, what did I get myself into? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. He said that twice now. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now you can imagine Mary's mind going on here, right? So she asks the question, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. She knows how things worked. She had the talk with her mom and maybe her dad, who knows, probably her mom, who had the conversation with about where babies come from and all that kind of stuff, even as a young teenager. So she's going, I'm a virgin. I haven't slept with anybody. How's this going to happen? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth... Your relative is going to have a child in her old age. Not her young age, but old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Let that land on you. All that the angel had told Mary. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. God wanted to connect with Mary, and so he connected through this angel. He brought this, this angel, came to Mary, and began to explain what was going to happen. This is the first century, remember. The war, Israel is dominated by the Roman Empire. Rebels are running around, as well as Roman soldiers who think nothing to do of doing whatever they want to do, and who have the authority to do whatever they want to do. Into this kind of a setting, an angel comes to speak to Mary, a middle teenager, a young teenager, junior higher, tells her not to be afraid, and begins to explain what's happening to her. And she's got questions. Boy, does she have questions. How will she explain this to her parents? How will she explain this to her betrothed, her fiancé, the one she's engaged to? Can you imagine how that's going to go down? She has so many questions, so much uncertainty, and she's in junior high. Don't ever sell teenagers short. The Holy same spirit that is on us as adults also rests on them. And specifically, we see that in the life of Mary and Joseph. It's interesting here that Mary just didn't freeze. She engaged with her mind. And so she was, for a, for a teenager, she asked some pretty sharp questions. This was not a monologue with the angel speaking to her. She asked questions. And that's important to note. Mary believed. She weighed out what was, was said. And then amazingly, she surrendered to the purposes of God. As a teenager, would you have been able to do that? Let's look at Joseph. He seemed, um, he also needed some direction. Let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. We already know that. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph was her, hu- her husband was faithful to, to the law and yet did not want to be exposed her to public disgrace. He had mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph was an outstanding guy. He knew what was going on. He was a sharp guy. He knew how babies were made too. His dad had the talk. And he knew that this baby was not his. And if the baby's not his, it's got to be somebody else's. I'm, I, I'm assuming that Mary had the conversation with Joseph and told him what happened. Now, if you're engaged to somebody and your spouse comes to you and tells you the story, hey, I'm pregnant and it's not by any guy, you can imagine the kind of conversation that would, go, would, would entail after that. But after he had considered this, verse uh, 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph had a lot of questions too. And he was going to do the right thing because he didn't know else, what else he was supposed to do. And God knew that. And God sent an angel to him. Or actually, he had a dream, I guess. I should put it that way. He had a dream. And the dream is when God spoke to him about what he should do. You see, when it comes to working together, God loves to confirm his purposes and plans, not through an individual, but through oftentimes through several people, even as he did here, because he knew both Mary and Joseph had to be on the same page if he wanted to his plan to move forward. And so God often confirms it by bringing people together, by confirming it with others. Let's go on with the story of Matthew, or uh, of Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, let's look at Joseph's response. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, And he gave him the name Jesus. Can you imagine what was going through Joseph's mind? He's thinking, what are my friends going to think? They're going to put two and two together. They know how to count out nine months. How could he explain this to Mary's parents? How could he explain this to his own parents? What would would Mary's dad think about this whole thing? And yet Joseph when he had encountered again with this angel in a dream, his response was to to obey. In faith. And he didn't even, he even went a step further because he was an outstanding guy, decided not to have sex with her until after the baby was born. So there was no mistaking that if this was going to be a miracle, it was going to be a miracle of God. Then we pick up, the continue the story with Joseph in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. And this is where he meets another angel. And the angel gives him very specific directions about where he should go to Egypt and how he should escape and all that kind of stuff. Let's skip down to verses 19 and read, pick it up there. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt 
and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go back, go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus, Ar- Ar- sorry, I got the guy's name, I don't, Ar- Archelaus was reigning in Judea, Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he should be called a Nazarene. Again, the angel appeared to him in a dream and told him very specific directions. When situations were different and things changed, when there was a ruler that could take over, that he was afraid that still might be after his son, after Jesus, he needed more clarity on that, and God gave it to him, step by step. You see, God uses all kinds of directions to lead us and guide us. He loves talking to his people. He loves speaking to people and giving direction and confirming his message to people. And as I said, when it came to, to Mary and Joseph, he used, he used two different ways that we see here. He used dreams and he used angels. Now, I have not heard of too many people who have had an angelic experience where they've met an angel that has given them specific directions. Vange and I have seen angel, two angels once on one occasion, but they never said anything to us. We just saw them. We didn't even know they were angels at first. And maybe some of you have had an experience where angels have met you. But more often than not, of, the way, of these two ways in which God speaks to his people, dreams are often the way in which God speaks. One of the ways. And we'll talk about others in the coming days. But that's one of the ways in which God speaks. Now, granted, we all have dreams. Sometimes the dreams are kind of weird and bizarre. And sometimes they're really strange. Maybe because you had some, you overindulged in pizza the night before. But God does speak through dreams. And it's important that we listen to our dreams and ask God about them if, when, if and when they come. Sometimes the dreams may even come as a result of the enemy influencing us. And there's, some people have visions. Now, what's the difference between a vision and a dream? A dream is something that happens when you're asleep. A vision is something, is a dream when you're awake. Sometimes people get pictures, word pictures in their mind. That's, that's, like, a, that's like a dream. It's a, it's a vision. Um, some people see a whole story. Some people just get an image in their head. But those are all the ways in which God speaks. And for Joseph, God spoke to him through, through dreams. And oftentimes, and we'll talk more about this in the coming, week, coming weeks, but one of the ways we can d- differentiate whether where the, a dream is coming from is the tone of the dream. What is the, the purpose of it? How does it align? Does it align with the character of God? Does it align with the Word of God? Does it, does it reflect the very person that God might be? Does it contradict the Scripture? Does it align with the Scripture? All those things are, are, are ways in which we can help us determine whether dreams that we have are dreams from God or they're dreams because, like I said, we had too much chili or maybe some too much coffee or something to drink. I don't know. 
But God loves to speak. And God loves to confirm His message. And He did that with both Mary and Joseph, confirmed the same message. Even the, na- the giving of the name was given to both of them. Now, one of the things Vanj and I have always chosen to do is we will never make a big decision without both of us being on board, even if one of us has, has heard God's voice in, in advance. We will often wait until the other gets clarity before we move on it. And that was true of Mary and Joseph. God loves to give clarity on that. God loves to align His message with His Word. God loves to make it so that He confirms it with more people because when He does it with more people, guess what? Then none of us can take credit for it. I heard from God. No, no, we all heard from God. Guess who gets the credit? God gets the glory through that. And even in this, in this story, God confirms his story with Scripture. We saw that in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, when he quotes about, that, when he talks about uh, from the prophets how this will, this, the virgin will be conceived and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so it's great if you get into the Word of God, because God will always use his Word to help confirm the message of what he wants to speak to us, speak to each of us about. Be open to his voice. God loves, God, God loves giving that kind of, he loves speaking to us. He loves talking to us. He wants to talk to us. And guess what? He's not afraid if we need more clarity. Some people say, well, you're testing God. No, it's not testing God. You want to make sure that what you're hearing is really what, is, is what God wants you to know. Mary asked that question. Joseph asked that question. I mean, God's okay with us asking. God's okay with us asking. And there's over and over and over and ta- over and over and over again throughout scriptures, we see how people had questions and they asked God for clarity. And they did not move until they got clarity. Gideon is a great example of that. So don't shy away from asking God for further clarity or God help confirm this through someone else or through the scriptures or whatever. Ask God to do that. And it's important to do that. So the application comes down to now as we engage in life, as we engage in life, we have to ask God, God, what do you want? What's your direction for me? I need some help. I need some wisdom. This is what I'm struggling with. This is the situation I'm facing. Do not be afraid to ask God for help. And then listen. Spend time listening. More than 30 seconds or a minute. That's, to be honest, that's what I I get there. I'm going, okay, God, I'm listening. Oh. (laughs) Distraction here, distraction there. It's hard to spend moments in silence with God especially in the world in which we live today. But we need to do that. We need to do that. Just listen. And second of all, when God speaks, we've got to be ready to obey. Even if it makes zero sense. Even if it just, it just going like this is impossible. How can this, how can this be? How could, in, in, in Mary and Joseph's, how could... How could Mary have a baby when she's never been with a guy? 
but we need to be willing to respond and obey. If it's hard, that's okay. If others don't understand, that's okay. As long as we're being obedient to what we're sensing God will be. God will change us and direct us. He does that from time to time, even as he did with Joseph. Joseph was down in Egypt, was going to come back and, and land in Bethlehem. And, and God said, no, no, go up to Nazareth. So don't be afraid. God will change your direction. As long as you're always willing to listen, always be open to his voice. He did that with Abraham. When, Abraham, when he was asked to sacrifice his son, same, same situation. Obedience is the game. Obedience is what God calls us to. Next Sunday, we're going to talk further about this, how God speaks to us and how God uses circumstances to guide us and direct us as we look at, at more characters of the, in, this, in this Christmas story, um, in the story of Jesus' birth. Let's bow in prayer together. Jesus, we come. We humbly come. And God, there, there's so many decisions that we need in our life. So many things that we, we feel we just don't know about. And yet, God, you, you're smart. You know things. You know way more than we know things. And God, help us in that to, to rest in you and to seek you and to be open to, to your leading and your guiding in our life. God, we, we, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. And so, God, if you want to send angels to us, if you want to send, give us dreams or visions, God, we're open. If you want to use other ways to speak to us, Lord, help us to be open to you, but help us to be sensi sensitive to your spirit each and every day, never forgetting that you want to lead us and guide us, that you want to confirm to us that you love us enough to give us direction. But God, help us to slow down, just to take a breath. And not to run at a thousand miles an hour as we often do. And God, you know that's even my, my struggle of just being silent in your presence. Because there's so many things I could get distracted on. Especially this time of year with Christmas and presents and, and parties and going out and visiting and whatever, food. God, help us to rest and hear your voice. And then help us to obey. We ask this in Jesus' name.